Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joel here with my dad. I'm Rick. We're so glad you're here today. Dad, I want to talk today about how much is enough. You know, growing up, we lived, I mean, we lived pretty simply. I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel deprived. I didn't always get the nicest shoes. Um, we didn't always drive the nicest car, but I felt like we had enough. But I talked to a lot of people and they grew up what would be similar to me. And they just have this hole within them that is just, just drives them. They're like, I was talking to a guy just the other day and he said this, he said, he said, man, I just, I want the stuff to show that I'm successful. And there was the connection between having all this stuff and showing you successful as the classic, the wow. classic story you always hear. And I was like, well, where'd that come from? He's like, well, growing up, my dad would never let me get the nicest shoes or get the nicest. So I wanted to get that. And I wanted to give that to my kids. And it was, his, it was like this hole in his heart that was never filled. And he's like, he said he, he actually couldn't fill it until he realized that generosity was the way to fill oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this wasn't, he wasn't raving about his virtues. He was talking about how the, the, this yeah. was a problem he had for years and he made you know millions of dollars, but he said, I just felt like it was never enough. So I want to talk about this idea. Wow. You know, there's verses in the Bible that, you know, exceedingly abundantly far above all we could ever ask or think is what God has in store for us. And no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has perceived what God has prepared for those who love him. There's all these verses about abundance and almost about excess. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, TV preachers have picked it up and uh, used that as a, well, that means God wants you rich. Yeah. That's what I mean. Everybody should have a G4 jet, right? And Well, yeah. I agree he wants us rich, but I don't think a G4 jet is an <laughs> That's true richness, right? <laughs> That's how you define true rich. When yeah. you've got a private jet, I heard somebody say one time, the only thing that'll truly change your life is Jesus and private jet travel. <laughs> so... Uh, it, one would change it for the better. The other might not change it for the better. <laughs> no, Private jet travel would be awesome. Just pull up and... <laughs> you pick which I'm one I'm telling you what, I always better. tell Emily, I will drive a small little Nissan Sentra and live in a tiny house if I just got a private jet. That's all I need. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, back to the idea. How much is enough? And and, and there's... It, so what, what made me think about this, specifically a C.S. Lewis quote that's pretty well known. I'm going to read the whole quote because it's interesting. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offering of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Basically, C.S. Lewis, and you know, C.S. Lewis never said anything controversial. Like if C.S. Lewis said it, it's next <laughs> it's to the okay. Bible, right? Yeah. He's basically saying that a lot of times what we want is actually too small. So let's break that down. Well, I think he mentioned three things in there that we go after, and one of them was ambition. And I think that would include the the wealth aspect of it. You know, we're interested in getting, you know, if I just get a jet, a private jet, yeah, I'm private gonna jet, happy, you know, I'm gonna right. be happy, you know. My ambition is to get a private jet or sex or drink. I think the other things. And what he's saying is there are much more noble things in life mm. to live for, is really what he's saying. But unfortunately, we filter that through and we come up with a private jet. Right. You know? Or what we lacked growing up. Yeah. So the abundance is what we didn't have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, uh, that passage, there's a passage, one that I think you mentioned where it talks about in Timothy, where it says that uh, he has given us all things exceedingly abundantly, given us all things to enjoy. And it's fascinating when you read that in the context, though, because in context, 
Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying that um, he's telling him instructions to give to people who are rich in things of this world. And he tells them that uh, not to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. In other words, if you're fixing your satisfaction and your joy upon wealth, man, it can all be gone tomorrow. Yeah. I talked to a guy the other day, he's been out of work and he was ready to retire at age 50 and then the dot-com bubble burst and he mm -hmm. lost everything. And it can all go overnight, you know? And that way or some other way, you say, well, I don't have mine in stocks. It can go another way. You have a health issue and boom, you're broke. You know, the hospital has all your money or whatever. And there's yeah. all kinds of ways that you can lose it all. And um, so so Paul's right and he says, don't, don't tell them not to base their hope and their joy and the uncertainty of riches. And then he says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works. He's given us all these things to enjoy, but then he says, instruct them to uh, be generous, be ready to give. Which is and, in line with what that guy said. Oh saying. yeah, man. That, uh, you know, when you were first saying, I think, oh man, what a poor, what a poor soul. But then he's discovered the truth in the matter, you know? Yeah. Because what I've seen, I've seen there's three things parents do that tend to um, cause their kids to go off the rails. And one of them is provide, trying to provide for all their needs, everything they want. Not all their needs. I mean, obviously you want them to be wearing shoes, yeah. but if you're getting the most expensive shoes, because you're trying to somehow fill a hole. I never got Air Jordans, ever. Yeah, and would you go buy them yourself now? I feel like half the man I could have been. That's right. You could have been a basketball <laughs> That's star. Right. Yeah. That's right. They just make you taller, jump higher, and That's all that right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. so I've just seen that as a major problem. When kids tend to have everything, they begin to think that the world owes them everything. Mm. And I think a lot of times parents do that out of their own... Oh, I don't know. Fill fill a need in their own heart. Well, as what yeah, he was saying, I never know? got that stuff growing up, so I want to make sure my kids do, and they may not even care about it. Yeah, but yeah. And and if they do care, if they do want it, then you're you're feeding a thing that I'm going to get everything I want in life, and people owe me stuff. And so, um, yeah, that's a that's a problem. You know, I remember years ago. I don't think we have to tell people to like indulge more or to you know <laughs> enjoy life more or anything like that. I you know I understand what C.S. Lewis is saying there, but. But I remember years ago, some guy was teaching on grace and somebody came up to him and says, well, don't you think teaching on grace is giving people a license to sin? And he said, uh, well, I don't think people need a license to sin. They're doing pretty good without a license. You know? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's an open carry state, right? You don't need a license for that. Yes. No, you can, you, can, yeah, right. you can sin without a license. Yeah. And I think it's the same way here. You know, People are doing a pretty good job of indulging mm. without giving permission to indulge. You know? Yeah. And, a lot of it is because we read indulgence, we read richness, we read um, uh, exceedingly abundant in the context of our very limited lifespan. Yeah. When you think about indulging, like for great grand, maybe your great grandparents, maybe my great grandparents, maybe your great great grandparents, indulging was to have meat two times a week instead of just on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, for the majority of life and in the New Testament concept, indulgence was not what we think of indulgence. What what we think of as normal life was pretty much indulgence of them. I mean, just check your belt size if you don't think so. Yeah. You know, throughout most of history, if you just had enough food to get by, you were doing good. And then there were the difficult times when the harvest wasn't there, you know, and maybe ran out of your stores. So, Which is an interesting uh, point because that first Timothy 6 verse you mentioned, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. We're really rich. We are, we are, yeah. <laughs> we, we live in so much abundance, we don't realize- The poorest of us. Yeah, yeah, we don't even, you know, like that. Like, I don't mind being poor and driving a Nissan Sentra, 
Yeah. Uh, wait, you have a Nissan Sentra? You have a car? Yeah. I'll never forget one time I was, somebody had given me a car and it had all these things wrong with it. And I had to pay, put all this, I had to buy, put a new muffler, new tires. And we're, Emily and I were sitting at, at this barbecue restaurant talking about it. And a girl from church came up and she was like, what y'all going? I'm like, man, we just got these blah, blah, blah. And all these expenses with the tires and things. She's like, you have a car? And I was yeah. like, oh, this girl takes a bus to work. And I was like, hello, I'm complaining yeah. about these, these things. And I mean, that's the, that's the problem with the nature of abundance is it's like more leads to needing more. Yeah. And like, what's that? There's a rap song, Mo Money, Mo Problems, I think is what he's <laughs> called. That's what, literally, in many ways. And that's what he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So he's really saying there's something that trans, there's true abundance that transcends what you see. Yeah. You need to recognize what that abundance is, that, that transcendent abundance, which means goes above and beyond what you see. And he kind of tells what that is in the next verse because he says, instruct them to do good, mm-hmm. to be rich in good works, to um, be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves treasures of good works. So true abundance is being able to have enough for yourself and some to share with others. Yeah. That's true abundance. Because oh, if you've got enough to share, then you're abundant. That's more than you need. Yeah. And so, I, you know, on the other hand, here, flip the coin. I remember, well, kind of to your story there, I remember when we had come back to this, when we were living in Guatemala, I was still doing some language study, and we'd come back uh, to the U.S. for a little while, and the, the economy was suffering at that time. And so I just went back, and I talked to my language teacher. I thought it'd just be funny to see what her response would be. I said, yeah, things are really bad in the U.S. It's so bad that a lot of the poor people are having to live in their cars. And she just looked at me dumbfounded. The poor people have cars? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. again, she was like, she had a, a master's in teaching and yet she took the bus. I'd never had a dream of owning a car. Yeah, I mean, that car thing is, is pretty unique um, to the West, especially yeah. most people, yeah. Most well, people the, use public transportation. I, I heard the story too of a, of a man in Africa who always wanted to go to America. You know, and finally somebody said to him, why do you want to go to America? And he says, I want to see a country where the poor people are fat. Huh? <laughs> That's funny. Think about it. You know, it's like we are, we are abundantly blessed here, even the poorest among us. But I, then I realized too, when I first went to Guatemala, you know, and we began working with the poor there and those who had no home and really nothing. I mean, just lived in dirt, surrounded by, it was just horrible. Um, filth. Um, and I began to feel a little guilty about that, you know, and I thought that this can't be right. And so in, in prayer, I really felt like the Lord kind of told me, he says, you don't need to feel guilty about the, of the abundance that you have. Mm. You need to share it. But this, these people are not living the way that I designed for them to be. Right. I want them to have enough to provide for their family and to be able to give. I want them to have abundance too, which again, I think you'd define abundance as being able to give. Yeah. Having enough for yourself and provide for yourself which, and being able to give. Which is a, a moving target because you can have abundance if you lower your expectations. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you can be like, "What?" Well, you know, you see and you see this a lot of times in in the context of the developing world where there's people that are living what we would consider squalor, but they're helping out their neighbors. And oh, go, yeah. Well, actually, they're living in abundance. So that redefines yeah. what abundance really is. It's a it's a mind-altering thing because we get so adjusted, adapted to what our idea of abundance is. Um, yeah. And that's what causes us to really, I mean, we can just really miss the mark. I, I think it's interesting. 
I was just reading this. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, which we know that. Exactly. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And you think about that, like, like, again, the more money, more problems. Uh, The griefs that come with, with having with so much, with abundance. Yeah. I think about, there was this very, very wealthy guy I knew and I was talking to his daughter and she said, you don't understand. I spend hours a day in meetings with lawyers trying to figure out how to keep people from taking our money. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's miserable. I hate meetings. And she yeah. said, I hate meetings too. <laughs> but it's the nature of having money. Yeah. And, but it's, it's, it's like, it goes back to this enough and there's this, there's this always this drive to, Keep what you have and gain more, which there's something healthy about that. I mean, we, did, we interviewed uh, a guy a while back and he was talking about how one of the few interviews we did on this podcast where he talked about, he's like, every generation has a responsibility to gain, to set the next generation a little bit further along. And he even talked about that with financial wealth, but he also talked about spiritual wealth. And I thought that was interesting. But one of the things that is crazy, I was talking to, uh, I had a guy in my coaching program and he was saying, he gave me a number. He said, I said, well, how much is enough? And he said, this number. Mm. And it is several million dollars. And I said, how long is it going to take you to get that? And he said, seven to, to eight or nine years. And I said, okay, well, I mean, with the way inflation's going, that's going to be, you know, 20% devalued by then. That is that really going to be enough? And he's like, man, that's a great point. So he wrote down another number. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, how long is it going to get that? Well, that'll probably take me an additional four years. I'm like, again, inflation, 15%. Like, is that... and. And I just was kind of poking at him yeah, to show yeah. there's never going to be a number that's enough. It's a mindset of enough. Yeah, That's how you get to enough, which is what Paul is saying here. He's like, um, the money thing can drive you on so much uh, that it becomes the root of all evil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's your, your, your bucket's never got a bottom in it. You're always going to be filling it and you're always realizing I need more, I need more, I need more. And, you know, that that's that quote where, you know, when we do as we prosper, we should work to increase our standard of giving rather than our standard of living. Mm. And, you know, many of us in the church, you know, we hear so much pastors talking about tithe, 10%, 10%, 10%, you know, and so we feel like, oh, well, if I can reach that goal of 10%, then I'm being generous and giving. Actually, technically, 10% is not giving anything. It's just returning what never belonged to you in the first place. The Lord says the tithe is mine, and if you're keeping it, you're stealing so we we and and I think in a New Testament concept, we need to throw that ten percent out. Mm. And a tithing is still a biblical concept. We can well, it's go a framework. That. Yeah, it's a it's framework. It's a good place to yeah. start. But if you think somehow ten percent has reached the goal, we need to be re- increasing. Um, you know, it's like uh, uh, John Wesley said in his sermon on how to use money. He said uh, his three points were that you should uh, earn all you can, uh, and then save all you can, and give all you can. And then he kind of commented, he said, the Methodists in his day were doing real good on the first two, but not real good on the third one, you know. And I think that's kind of what it is with us too. Yeah, we earn all we can, but but the idea needs to be in giving. And that that passage that we're talking about there in First Timothy, where you because that's the same passage where it talks about piercing yeah. ourselves through, it all goes right through there. In fact, in Ephesians 2, it talks about the purpose for money. It says that those who steal should steal no more, but instead should work hard with their hands. Why? so that they can provide for others. Mm. And so the two purposes for money is to provide for our own family, because if you don't provide for your own family, you're worse than an infidel. And then so that we have enough to give and be able to help others as well. That, wait, so that's a really good point because uh, 
it's kind of liberating what Paul says here. He says, uh, advise those who are rich in this world. Basically, there's nothing wrong with making money right? if you're using it for the right purposes. Yeah. And you can be greedy and poor. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is really, I mean, it's crazy to believe that, but there's greedy, poor people, or you can be, have loads of money and not be greedy. But there's this natural thing in the world where we, where we, we tweak that verse and say, well, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is just a tool. Um, is a hammer evil? Well, it depends how you use that hammer. Yeah. You're going to use it to nail it, you know, build a house, or you're going to use it to try and kill somebody. And it goes back to that idea of um, it kind of a liberating for, again, that's where I love the Bible is about principles rather than rules. Right, yeah. The principle is money can really hang you up or it can be used as, as a tool for good. So advise those who are rich, tell those who are rich to make sure they don't get arrogant about that wealth and instead use it uh but put their hope in God who richly provides for us. Command them to do good. Be rich in good deeds. Use your money for good. So make as much money as you can, like, like he was saying, mm-hmm. was it John or Charles Wesley? One of the Wesley's. John, yeah. John, make as much money as you can and then use it for the right purposes, which is, that's where it gets dangerous though because money has this thing about it that's like a, a security element to it. And well, yeah. it brings you all sorts of, that guy I was talking to initially at the start of this, that I was telling you, he said he also, when he lost all his money, he realized he had no friends. <laughs> Like, yeah. Wow. So money can bring the connection you're looking for. I always think of things in terms of my triangle of security, connection, control, right? And control. You feel like you got control over everything when you got money. You're like, yeah. I don't have to depend on my friend for a ride to the airport. I can pay for my own Uber. So, you know, that you, you mentioned that too. And we, I kind of experienced the same thing when we were in Guatemala. Cause again, though we were not wealthy by the standards of those around us, we were. Oh, they thought we were really wealthy. Yeah. yeah. And so we were, one of the things I always dealt with too, and one of the griefs that, rich people have um, is that they never really know who their friends are just exactly like this guy did. Cause I, you know, we f- met a lot of pastors and worked with a lot of pastors in the churches. And there were some that I knew they didn't care if we gave them anything or not. Right. Know? Right. But you never knew for sure with some. I know, yeah. And, and you thought that they were really your friends and they cared because you were ministering to them spiritually and that you were there to help, but you never knew for sure. And so there's always that nagging doubt in the back of your head do who who am, and that's why rich people hang around with rich people. Yeah, because like, you don't need my money. Yeah, yeah. They, they they they're the only ones that they really know that you really care about me and you don't care about my money. Yeah. And so that's if if they really do care about yeah, them. if they or do, if, if it's they, a social thing, yeah, which may not be the case yeah. either. Yeah, yeah which is again back to the griefs. About Paul says, man, money brings grief. It pierces that, you through. Yeah, yeah, a ton of grief. You know, you mentioned too that you can have poor people who are uh, who are greedy or whatever, or um, you know, greed and poverty are basically the same. They say the same thing. Greed, whether you're greedy for more mm. or whether you're poor, it, the voice that you always hear is not enough. Isn't that a, isn't that a King Solomon proverb? Oh, it ought to be. Yeah. <laughs> never enough, yeah. <laughs> never enough, never enough. Yeah. yeah, there is something in there about that in there, yeah. Yeah, Le- the leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. And then he goes on to say what those things are. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, go ahead. So, so you know, I... I I just think of the story of a, um, we, were, we were invited to a missions conference in uh, the woodlands of, of Texas, you know, mm. near Houston there. And um, they, they, I was not one of the main speakers or anything. The main speaker was this old gentleman from Mexico. He'd just been in Mexico all of his life, you know, and just a real senior, one of those ambassador missionary in the kingdom. And um, the couple of young guys on staff had been asked to take him and show him around the woodlands and take him to the mall and stuff, he and his wife. And so, I happened to be in the office when they came back in and the comments they were making, they weren't ridiculing him, but they were just sort of um, 
entertained by some comments he made. They said, as they were driving around looking at all the homes, oh, look at this home here, look at this home here. He just turned to his wife in the back. He said, oh, honey, look at all the things these people have distracting them. Mm. And then when they got to the mall, they parked and he turned around and he looked at the mall and out loud, he just said, oh, Jesus, keep my eyes on eternity in this place. And I thought, what a good message. Keep our eyes on eternity in this place. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information from Joel or Rick, you can visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review of the podcast. 